morning, everybody. I want to um, thank everyone for coming today. Um, so I'm going to start off with introducing myself. My name is Michelle Day, and I will be the moderator for this afternoon. Um, just go over some housekeeping um, things prior to welcoming our guests. Um, if you guys do have cell phones, please do turn them on mute or off. Um, I want to just inform everyone that the session is being recorded. Um, and for lunch, uh, there are baskets in the middle of your table, so please do put $11 in there for um, lunch and designate somebody at the table to make sure that um, everyone's accounted for. Um, so for those who are new to um, SACPA, which is the Southern Alberta Council of Public Affairs, um, I again thank you for coming out today. Um, and the um, itinerary is that we will start with our guest speaker and then we will have our lunch and then we'll have question period at uh, one o'clock. So with that, um, I would like to introduce our speaker, Dr. Sienna Casper. She's worked in long-term care facilities both in Canada and the U.S. for over 20 years as a pro, uh, postdoctoral fellow in cross appointments at the Toronto Rehabilitation Institute, University Health Network, and the University of Victoria. She conducted an intervention study aimed at improving leadership and collaborative decision-making in long-term care settings. Currently, she is assistant professor at the University of Lethbridge in the Faculty of Health Sciences and Therapeutic Recreation Program. So with that, I would like to introduce Dr. Sienna Casper. Welcome. Thank you. It is such an honor and privilege to be here. Um, when I heard about this organization, I just got really excited as a gerontologist. Um, I just think this is it's like fabulous. Anyway. Um, and I've been told I need to keep to my schedule and keep to this mic, so I'm going to work on both of those. So as a researcher, I had a, I had a burning question, both as a researcher and also as a, as a person who worked as a clinician in long-term care. And that burning question was really, why is person-centered care so hard to consistently implement in these facilities? And, and just to make sure we're all on the same page on what person-centered care is, it's a care philosophy that respects the care recipient's preferences and life history, honors their identity, enables engagement in meaningful activity, and encourages an overall sense of well-being. And the industry in long-term care has probably close to two decades now recognized that this is best practice, that this is what we are aiming for in long-term care. And, Yet despite that, and I would also add, despite significant effort to alter practice and make sure that this is what we're consistently offering, um, it's not happening. And if you ever go into long-term care facilities, you will see pockets of excellence and you'll see great effort, um, but you'll also see that we're really not quite there um, in the big picture. I will also say though that it, Every long-term care facility I've ever been in and all of the staff that I've worked with, both as a, as a colleague and also as a researcher, I have very rarely met one, uh, actually I would say I would never, I've never met one that goes into work and says, yeah, no, I don't want to provide person-centered care. 
And as a result of that, I decided that it's not the individuals in these institutions that we need to actually look at to try to unpack this, that it's actually a systems issue. This has got to be a systems issue. And so um, I decided to look at this from an organizational behavior perspective. So that's what caused me to go back and do my master's. Um, after working for many years, I went back as what's called a non-traditional student. In other words, I was about 30 years older than most of my other classmates. Um, and I, I did my master's in gerontology at Simon Fraser University. And what I did is I wanted to test my hypothesis that how we treat and how basically how empowered care staff are in these long-term care facilities will be directly um, representative or associated with how they treat the residents um, and how empowered they allowed the residents to be or enabled the residents to be. And so to test that, I went into 41 different long-term care facilities across three health authorities in British Columbia and, um, and recruited uh, both RNs, LPNs, and care aides. And this is called a structural equation model. You will not be tested on this. Um, but apparently, I can't go over there and explain it. Um, so I'm going to use this pointer, and hopefully you can see little red dots. Um, basically, what I found, not surprisingly, is that, yes, um, how empowered care staff felt was directly associated to how, how um, how strongly they felt they were able to provide person-centered care and individualized care to the residents they were working with. In fact, it explained close to 30 and 40 percent of the variance in those perceptions, which is pretty significant, especially in social, social medicine or social sciences. What was surprising, though, because I didn't find that surprising at all, quite frankly, um, what was surprising was this variable called informal power. So for care aides, what I found is that informal power, which is defined as the quality of their workplace relationships, for them, this mapped directly onto individualized care. It didn't go through this empowerment construct. And that's fascinating, because that meant that more than resources, more than staffing levels, more than access to supplies, more than access to um, opportunities, in other words, is there a hierarchy ladder where they can actually advance if they're great workers, which we know um, isn't often the case because of the environment that they work in. Um, more than anything, this, the quality of workplace relationships, how well they felt they got along with their teammates and how supported they felt by their supervisors um, was the, the biggest predictor. So that was interesting, and that was a statistic. And it's really easy as a researcher to get those published. <laughs> but it really doesn't tell us why. And it doesn't really unpack it. And to do that, you need to go in and actually do what's called qualitative research, which means you go in and you actually talk to people instead of just surveying them and then running statistics on what they tell you. And so what I decided to do was um, that I, I, well, I decided I just didn't have enough education. And I went on to do my PhD in interdisciplinary studies at UBC because I knew exactly what I wanted to study and I knew exactly what question I had. Um, and so I did what's called an, an, uh, an institutional ethnography. Um, and I went into three different long-term care facilities, kind of armed with that information that I had from my master's. And I 
shadowed Karaids for the full extent of their shifts, days, evenings, and nights. And though I was shadowing them, they were not what was under investigation. What was under investigation was the organizational system within they, which they work and how that system either supports or hinders their ability to provide person-centered care. Now, for um, both professional and personal reasons, what I was most interested in was their access to individualized resident care information. Because if you're going to provide person-centered care, you have to know who this person is. You have to know, like, what's their history? What do they love doing? What moves them? Wh what did they do when, when they were working? What brings them meaning and purpose in their life still? And what are their routines? You have to know that about that person if you're going to provide person-centered care based on that definition that I gave you at the beginning of the talk. And after I shadowed each of the care aides, I then interviewed them in an in-depth interview to kind of asked them about what I saw and what their experiences were. And after I finished interviewing them, I did what was called kind of like a 360 degree interview. So I interviewed the RNs that, that they had been responsible to or who supervised them, the LPNs who were their direct team leaders. I interviewed dietary and recreation. I interviewed management. I interviewed, when I was in one facility, if you wanted to know what was going on, you needed to interview maintenance, absolutely. Um, <laughs> uh, and I interviewed um, administrative assistants. I interviewed social workers. And then, of course, I also interviewed residents and family members. And then I also did textual analysis. I had a little bit of data. So what I found is that if you're in long-term care facilities and you're looking at access to resident care information, there really seems to be a fence with two sides. And on one side of this fence, the work is very textually mediated. On this side, the adage, if it's not documented, it didn't happen, reigns supreme. And on the other side of the fence, the work is much more socially mediated. On this side of the fence, very little of the knowledge and the information and intimacy of the work that's um, occurring actually gets documented. And on that side of the fence is where I found the residents, the family members, and the care aides, who are the direct frontline caregivers, who provide 80 to 90% of the direct care, who have the least amount of education and training. That's where I found them situated. On the other side of the fence, is where the entire rest of the care team was, was situated. And that's where all the regulated um, healthcare providers are. That's where myself, as a certified therapeutic recreation specialist, was. So the more, the more it seemed that, not seemed, the more educated you are, the more training and information you have, in fact, the further away you are from direct care with the residents. And I would also say that because of some of the new um, staffing models, that's, that's become even more extreme. Um, where you used to have RNs um, who would actually be very much um, able to, to provide hands-on care, they're now further and further away. Um, you'll have one RN for 150 residents. There, there's no way they're able to, to provide hands-on care with those kind of staffing ratios. So having found this fence, I decided, well, we need to look for gates. <laughs> if there's this fence between the people who are providing most of the care and the people who are receiving the care and the family members who have really important information, more information about this individual and their, what, what enables person-centered care for them than anyone else, then where are the gates? And if there is a gate, 
then which way is it open? Is it only open one way, top down, where information is only flowing one direction? Or is it open just one way, bottom up? Or is it perhaps open both ways, where information is freely flowing between these two, two groups? And then what I did is I mapped resident care information uh, in all three facilities that I went into. And the next slide, I'll warn you, we'll, it pretty much is only going to show you just how, compli how complicated it is because <laughs> you're going to have an impossible time reading it. But I mapped resident care information um, based on this fence and gate simile. So this is one facility. And you can see that there's two records. There's a paper-based uh, record, and then there's a computerized medical record. And you see all of that document, all those documentation, that's a lot of resources being spent into capturing individualized resident care information in these institutions. And what, what I want to point out are some of the, these red closed gates. Um, and there's some significant closed gates in these facilities. So in, in all three facilities that I was in, for instance, this is, a, is a, an individualized resident care plan. And it has information about all aspects of that individual, should have information, dietary, um, physical uh, needs, mobility, recreation therapy, social history, et cetera. And all that information is supposed to be put into then and, and individualized care needs into this care plan. And this care plan can often be 12 pages long. The problem was none of the care aides had ever seen the care plan. And they're the ones that are supposed to be carrying out what's in this care plan. And they, ha they had never seen it. There was, a, there was a closed gate here. And this is in you know, all three facilities. Um, the other thing is that the care aides are documenting information into what are called flow sheets, which are little ticky boxes, which they have to document into. And none of them knew that that information that they were documenting was actually being fed back into and in creating a care plan. Now, as a result of that, they didn't care about the information they were documenting because they didn't know why it was being used. It wasn't relevant to them. It's ticky boxes, ones, twos, and threes, and a zero, or did this happen or not? And so because of that, the quality of this documentation was quite poor. Um, and I would say, that that's not, should not be a criticism on the individuals. It's a criticism on the system, because if they don't know where it's going or why it's being used, but they have to do this, well, then that's a problem. Um, the other thing is that there are, if any of you have been exposed to long-term care facilities, you know we have annual care conferences, which is kind of funny in and of itself, because these are individuals who are now in long-term care. They have complex care needs. <laughs> it's not like nothing changes over a period of a year, but you don't come together except for once a year to talk and bring the whole team together, you know, unless there's a change of condition. Um, but, and, 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 and these are really important meetings. The problem is in all three sites, the care aides couldn't attend these. And again, they're the ones who have the most information on the care needs and the, and the changes because they see the residents the most and they couldn't attend these meetings, and there was also a red gate here, meaning that oftentimes they didn't even find out what the result of these meetings were and the outcomes and the goals. So um, what they did have access to in all three sites were these what are called living care plans, and these are very basic, um, uh, literally one-page <laughs> um, care plans that can be placed in the residents' rooms and they would have 
such, like it's so basic. <laughs> they would say perhaps um, the texture of the of the meal that the resident uh, was supposed to be uh, provided, but they wouldn't tell you how to get the resident to eat the meal. They wouldn't tell you how to, uh, what their actual preferences are, like what their favorite, how they actually like to have like you know their toast, for instance. Those types of things that enable us to truly individualized care, individualized care. And unfortunately, this living care plan is not a regulated um, documentation record. And so as a result of that, it was the last thing to ever get updated, which meant that in all three sites, it was very often out of date. And, and as a result of that, the care aides, once the resident had been in the facility for longer than three months, they no longer looked at this information. So even if it was updated, they didn't trust it. So what I learned is that CARES lacked practical access to the institutional texts that contain really important information relevant to the residents' care needs and preferences, that which would enable us to provide person-centered care. The two exceptions to this in all three facilities were the bath lists and the bowel lists. Um, that's, pretty, <laughs> that's pretty significant finding. So the two um, pieces of information that uh, all three sites made sure that they were update, up to date, and that the carries had practical and feasible access to were the bath lists and the bowel lists. And what that communicates very clearly to the care aides is that their role on the care team is limited to keeping the bodies clean and the bowels moving. And if you pull your lens back from an institutional ethnography perspective, which says you can tell about the priorities of an institution it are um, by their texts and by analyzing their texts, then that flies in the face of the institutional goal of providing person-centered care, does it not? Because it really says that that, in fact, is the priority. Um, our, our bodies clean and bowels moving. Even more so than making sure that we are feeding residents the food that they most need. And, and that was, was quite concerning to me that even dietary uh, needs, that information was not consistently updated in a place where carries could access it. So if a resident um, had deteriorated and now was a choking potential, oftentimes carries did not know that. And, and, and there's one instance where uh, one of the residents that I interviewed said he was in a, a four-bed ward and he was the one that would catch new casual carries coming in and saying, oh, no, 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 don't give him toast, He's, he, he'll choke. So it's another resident looking after, <laughs> after his roommate and, letting, and, and having that be one of the ways that the information was flowed. Um, the other thing that I found is that care aides also lack practical access to their team leaders and supervisors. Um, and that was a, a, a concern as well. So, and what I mean by practical access is uh, oftentimes, because of the change in, in staffing uh, models, um, when they most had access to their team leaders was when the team leaders, this would be the LPNs, um, were on the, LPN is a licensed practical nurse, sorry for all the acronyms, um, when they were on the floor passing out meds. And so in that situation, when there's a medication pass, when they're distributing medications to, their, to the residents, they really need to stay focused on that task. And so that's not a good opportunity, in fact, for them to have a discussion um, and to share information about resident care needs. Um, so in finding this, I went 
well, how are they learning how to provide care? They don't have access to the institutional techs, um, and they don't have access to their team leaders who have access to the institutional techs. Um, how are they making care decisions? And, and really what they're doing is they're making informal assessments and creating their own care plans in their minds every day. And this is, again, the group that have, have, have the least education and training, and yet the system is actually demanding that they they conduct their own assessments and that they create their own care plans every day. And that that care is really um, based on primarily their own perceptions on what good care is, which typically is how would they want their grandmother cared for. And if you look at that, then um, <laughs> really it was how were they cared about by their mother. And that that's actually what's driving care, is how well they were cared for in their own home life. Um, and, and, and I think that that's, and, and I will say that I saw extraordinarily beautiful examples of person-centered care, despite the system. I also saw examples of care that were really hard to observe. Um, and and I, you will probably find that in any long-term care facility. Um, and, I, and I would say that most of the care is, is coming from the heart and, and, and that they're doing the very best they can given the situation that they're working in. So one of the things that, so then I was looking, okay, well, <laughs> how did, so once they've learned, so they are learning, they're going in blind and they're figuring this out on their own um, and, they're, they, and they have figured things out with the, with the residents um, in, in what we call tacit knowledge, in other words, learning by doing. So one example was a resident who had had a stroke um, since being admitted, and, and they knew that this resident now, because she's drooling, um, is really self-conscious, and that she will eat, and she'll continue to feed herself so long as you face her towards the window. But if you face her towards her table mates, she's not going to eat. So they know this, and that's individualized care, but that's not written in the chart. Right? So they have this knowledge, and what I found is that whether or not they share it, Thank you. Whether or not they share this knowledge is dependent upon how well they get along with each other. <laughs> so remember that, that statistic or that structural equation modeling when I said it's about the quality of their workplace relationships? Well, that's because they have this knowledge. They know how to give a bath to Mr. Jones without getting beat up, which is a very serious, that's a significant thing to know. But whether or not they share that information with their colleague, again, it's dependent, 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 Pan and 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 Pan and
upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and upon and up
so 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 great okay <laughs> um i created this model because i because I'm, I'm a researcher who really um cares about looking for what's working and what's working well and when you're working in long-term care it's very easy um to really just focus on what's not working well because there are um again i think um despite the system. I think that there are extraordinary um, examples of good quality care, and I was very fortunate to go into one. And these facilities were selected for me. I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't able to choose them on my own. Um, and in one of the facilities that I went into, it was just. It was. It was outstanding. And and so I was looking at. Okay. Well, what enables this excellent care, despite a system that is consistently communicating. Um, to the people who provide most of the care that that they really um, are, are not valued uh, care members of the care team and what I found is that it's really dependent upon um, leaders and leadership and when people ask me okay well wh what should I most look at if I'm if I'm in the position of having to um, admit a loved one into a long-term care facility I always say go look at management and look at how they're treating their staff <laughs> and look at whether or not there is outstanding leadership in that facility because I will say that in in the three facilities uh, a facility that had the best care had the worst staffing ratios had the worst physical built environment and they had the best care and it's because of the quality of their leadership and and I I, I describe that in this model. So the bottom and the foundation of all of this is what I call empowered managers and team leaders. And empowered managers and team leaders engage in three um, 
behaviors. Um, one is respect. So they consistently communicate to the care aides and the care team and the care staff that their opinions count and that they matter and the work that they do matters. And why that's so important is that that is actually um, kind of like producing a, uh, a counter message to the care staff to that to that other message that they're receiving every single day, um, that, that they really are just about keeping the, the bowels moving and the bodies clean. The other thing is recognition. And that I um, summarized in, I get caught doing a great job and that I'm appreciated. I can tell you if you want to um, improve care, if you have a loved one or a family member in a long-term care facility, you cannot thank that, those staff members enough for the work that they're doing. They feel so undervalued and underappreciated. Um, and I will say very quickly, I, you know, we live in an ageist society. We just do. <laughs> and um, people who go into healthcare who decide to work in long-term care um, are instantly um, kind of like devalued within the healthcare system. I'll never forget a new RN who came into the last facility where I was working and she had been told by her colleagues, oh no, you're going there? What a waste of a great nurse. And the, the lack of knowledge and, and understanding of the complexity of the work in long-term care um, is, is really something we need to push up against. And people who choose, like as a recreation therapist, I didn't think I ever wanted to work in, in, um, in, uh, with, with aging. <laughs> I wanted to work with head, neck, and spinal cord injury. It's just so much more sexy. Um, and then I got my first job in a long-term care facility, and this was absolutely my passion. But I knew that I would be viewed by my other colleagues as not being able to cut it, not being able to make it in, in uh, acute care or rehab, et cetera. And we really need to punch through that. And, 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 and that's one of the reasons why we need to really uh, recognize any, any staff member uh, who's working in long-term care facilities. Um, the other is responsiveness, and this is a key one. And that's where the, the managers and the team leaders responded to the current concerns that were brought forward by the uh, care staff consistently. When there, there were empowered managers and team leaders who were engaged in these behaviors con consistently, it created trust in the, uh, on the unit or in the facility as a whole, depending upon at what level the managers and team leaders were engaging in these. And trust is um, represented by, I trust that I am cared about as a person. And that goes back into that, if we care for our care staff as people, then that helps them care for the residents as people. Thank you. Um, and then also, <clears throat> uh, I trust what management says and does and having that transparency. When there was trust, that um, helped to develop um, supportive team members that were engaged in this, uh, what I call reciprocity. And reciprocity is really looking at, um, or can be described as, we take care of each other. So we're a family here, and we take care of each other. And when there was reciprocity, that enabled the care staff to remain resilient in the face of workplace adversities that they face every shift, every day. And three um, key workplace adversities are scarce resources. 40% of the uh, observations that I, that I made uh, where I was shadowing carried, 40% of the time they were working short. 
they already have approximately 17 minutes per resident to get them up in the morning. Now, I don't know about you, but it takes me a lot longer than 17 minutes to get ready for the day, and I'm not physically disabled. So, I mean, that's, <laughs> so when they're working short, they have even less time, and they have to cut corners just to get through their day. So working um, short um, and supplies. This is interesting, I don't know what it is, but some, every facility struggles with being short on linens, especially over the weekend. And when there is um, reciprocity within the team, they actually divvy it up. Um, they figure out, okay, well, how many do you need, and how many do you need, and they, they divvy up the, 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 the linens, um, the briefs, et cetera. Um, when there's not, they hoard it. And it's a very interesting kind of litmus test. So they hoard for their residents, and they, what they don't realize is that they're actually then helping to create this vicious cycle of shorting, uh, of being short on supplies. Safety is the other one. Um, every care plan that you, I, I guarantee, if you have access to care plans and long-term care facilities, if a resident is engaging in responsive behaviors or resistant to care or aggressive, um, they'll always say, go in with a buddy. <clears throat> but whether or not the carriers had a buddy to go in with was dependent upon whether or not they had friends who cared about them and that they were then also um, willing to, to, to team up together. So even if it said it in the care plan, of course, they didn't have access to the care plan. So again, it was uh, dependent upon the quality of the workplace relationships. And also lifts and transfers, if there was a two-person lift, again, whether or not they had that second person was dependent upon how well they got along with one another. And then finally, grief. And this is kind of, this one was, is hard for me to even admit that it took me this long to see it. Um, it wasn't until I was in the third facility, and remember I've worked in long-term care facilities as a consultant and also as a clinician for many, many, many years. And um, I was in the third facility and I was, I was observing a morning report and the team leader said, we have a new admit. And I heard all of the carriers take this big, deep breath in, and they were holding their breath. And they were holding the breath because they were waiting to hear what room number. And the reason they were waiting to hear what room number is because that's how they were going to find out who died. And in morning report, you have approximately, morning reports last around 10 to 15 minutes to go over the care of all of the residents. When the room number was stated, one carried's head went down. And another carried who knew what that meant to that carried watched her. And she was taking breaths when she should have been hearing about, you know, a new admit. But she was having to process the fact that someone who she cared about had died. The other carried was watching her. Her head eventually came up, and she looked to the carried who knew what this would mean to her and mouthed the words, Annabelle died? And the other carried nodded. And then, seven minutes later, or less, she was supposed to be on the floor being a professional and doing her job. And if we're looking at, okay, well, what in the system is getting in the way of person-centered care? Well, this is a significant one. Because person-centered care requires a relationship to be formed. They have to actually care about each other. And when you ask residents what matters to them most, it's the quality of their relationship with the people who are getting and doing very personal things with them. And, um, and we, in we don't, as a society, we don't deal well with death. 
And then what's strange is that in long-term care facilities where death is very prevalent, we don't deal well with it either. And we really don't acknowledge that there's grief and that when someone dies and there has been a relationship formed, which we want and we need, that we need to actually honor that and care for the caregivers as they process the fact that someone who they, not just a body that needed to be bathed and bowels that needed to be moved, but a person who they cared about has, 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 has,
when they 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 when
Dealing with and managing these workplace adversities that was directly associated to their quality of work life, which was absolutely um, associated with the quality of care that they were able to provide. And that's thank you. 